0: Well, I've got a question for everyone this morning, and it's not just a rhetorical question. I, I would like to see hands on this one, okay? How many of us were born into families that went to a Christian church or a Church of Christ and were raised in a Christian church? Raise your hands. Okay. All right. Thank you. How many were born into a particular Protestant denomination or perhaps a non-denominational church? Okay. All right. Who was born a Roman Catholic? Okay. All right. Is there anyone here who was born with no recognizable religious heritage? Nothing in the home? Okay. All right. Now, I've got a couple of questions I simply want you to think about. How did your religious heritage affect you? And did it help you spiritually or hinder your coming to where you are today? You know, I think most of us realize that a religious heritage can be of great benefit or it can be a major stumbling block on the road to a relationship with Christ. It's possible to assume everything is fine between us and God simply because of our spiritual heritage. We can lose our sense of need for personal responsibility before God and our need for personal commitment. And many of the Jews in Jesus' day had that problem. They assumed that since they were offspring of Abraham, they were secure in the relationship to God. They were blinded to the true nature of their alienation from him. When Jesus spoke of his ability to free them spiritually, they responded by saying, we are Abraham's offspring and have never been enslaved to anyone. They did not realize their bondage to sin and therefore closed their eyes to the need for someone to set them free. So Jesus confronted them with reality and challenged their standing as true children of Abraham, even as children of God. He then went on to reveal whose children They really were. Let's examine ourselves this morning as he examined them and see if we can discern whose children we really are, spiritually speaking. We begin with a look at the children of Abraham. We're in the eighth chapter of John's Gospel. I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. Jesus began by acknowledging that the Jews were physically Abraham's offspring. They could trace their lineage back to him. No doubt about it, they were children of Abraham physically. But they didn't act like Abraham. In fact, their desire to kill Jesus and their refusal to listen to what he had been sent from God to say indicated that spiritually they had another father. Well, they bristled at that suggestion and adamantly declared Abraham is our father. That settled it in their minds. They were Abraham's offspring and nothing could change it. Or so they thought. Justin Martyr, an early church father, reflected their attitude in his dialogue with Trifo. The eternal kingdom, he wrote, will be given to those who are the seed of Abraham according to the flesh, even though they be sinners and unbelievers and disobedient to God. Case closed. They were right with God because they were Abraham's offspring. The rabbis actually taught that Abraham had gained such merit from his goodness that it was sufficient not only for him, but for all of his descendants. That he had built up a treasury of merit so vast that his descendants could draw from it forever. I doubt that us would go that far. But I can't help but wonder... If some don't believe their place in heaven has been reserved by a godly parent or grandparent, at least some act as if that's the case. They were born a Christian and they will die a Christian with no further thought about their personal relationship to Christ. But John the Baptist made it clear that a physical relationship does not guarantee a spiritual relationship. When the Pharisees and Sadducees came to him for a symbolic baptism without repenting of their sins, he said, And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham, and the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire their physical relationship to Abraham guaranteed them nothing spiritually they would be judged individually by their deeds and as Jesus pointed out a true child of Abraham does what Abraham did Paul affirmed this in his writings. In the fourth chapter of Romans, he made it very clear that it's sharing the faith of Abraham, not his genes, that makes someone his descendant. And in Galatians 3, he took this even further and told us, we become Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise through Christ, by accepting Christ as the one sent from God. Abraham didn't reject the messengers of God when they came to him. He welcomed them, even though he didn't always like the message. But the Jews of Jesus' day were rejecting the one sent from God. And they were thereby showing themselves to be the spiritual children of someone other than Abraham. In fact, they were showing themselves to not even be children of God. Read on. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. The Jews understood that Jesus was questioning their spiritual parentage, and they did not like it one bit. They protested We were not born of fornication, we're not illegitimate children, we have one Father, even God. Now, they were, of course, speaking spiritually here. Now, the Old Testament often compared spiritual unfaithfulness to adultery. When God's people went after false gods, they were committing spiritual adultery. The Jews were here proclaiming the purity of their relationship with God. They weren't like the Samaritans, religious half-breeds, whose parents had sold out to other gods. They were pure Jews. And they were faithful to God, their only Father. How dare Jesus question their relationship to God, if God, were your father." That was not only insulting to them, it was crazy. After all, God is everyone's father. We all know that. God is everyone's father and we are all brothers and sisters. In one sense, that is true. God is everyone's creator. He formed each of us in our mother's womb. And he created our common ancestors, Adam and Eve. So we are all related to him and to each other. That's a good thing to remember. However, by saying, if God were your father, Jesus made it clear that not everyone is a child of God. Not anymore. In fact... Sin alienated everyone from their creator. By sinning against him, we all disavowed his fatherhood and he disinherited us. God no longer claims those he just created as his children. We lost that relationship through sin. If you want him to become our father again... We must be adopted back in his family. And Jesus alone makes that possible. Paul explained this in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If we want to be sons of God, we must put ourselves up for adoption. And our adoption is evidenced by the presence of the spirit of his son in our hearts. The spirit he places within us when we become his children. Paul made this very clear in Romans eight fourteen. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Obviously, these Jews weren't being led By the Spirit of God. They couldn't even hear what Jesus was saying, and they certainly weren't obeying him. No, by their actions. They demonstrated that they were not children of God. Instead, they revealed themselves to actually be the children of the devil. Let's read on You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. You are of your father, the devil. Now, Jesus had earlier indicated their spiritual father was other than Abraham or God. Now he names their father the devil. How could Jesus make such an accusation, apart from the fact that he was the Son of God, of course? He did so by comparing their actions with the devil's actions. Their actions proved they were children of the devil. They wanted to kill the Son of God, to murder him. And God doesn't murder. The devil does. From the beginning, he was a murderer. He's the one who was crouching at the door, encouraging Cain to murder his brother Abel. And he has been murdering ever since, both physically and spiritually. He is the one behind all the murder that exists in the world. I'm afraid... Those who insist the violence and murder we see today can be addressed by mental health intervention have overlooked the fundamental cause of all murders. When someone murders someone, the devil is behind it. It's more than just a psychological problem. Now, we can't avoid responsibility by crying, oh, the devil made me do it. Even Cain was told how he could avoid falling into the hands of the devil by simply doing that which was right. But he refused to listen to God. He chose to act out the jealousy and hatred that was in his heart rather than deal with it redemptively. No doubt about it, those who practice murder and whose hearts are so full of hatred that they want to murder— Are of the devil. Now, that doesn't mean that if you occasionally feel like murdering someone, the devil is your father. An occasional sin doesn't mean you're of the devil, even though the sin originates with him. John said in 1 John 3 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. The one who makes sin the regular practice of his life is of the devil. Someone could actually kill another in a moment of uncontrolled passion and not be a child of the devil. But if his heart was full of murder and he regularly sought to destroy others, he would show himself to be of the devil. The Jews showed themselves to be of the devil because they wanted to kill Jesus. They had been committed to doing so for months and would continue to long for his death until they would accomplish it. They also showed themselves to be of the devil by refusing to accept the truth, preferring instead to believe a lie. They knew Jesus wasn't a sinner. No one raised their hand when he asked, which of you convicts me of sin? What a challenge. He's the only one in history able to make that challenge with no takers. No one could convict him of sin, prove him guilty of any sin. Yet they were, in effect, in effect, calling him a liar by refusing to believe him. And he called them on it. He was speaking the truth. And they knew it. But they didn't want to believe it. They knew lying was foreign to his character. They could see that, but they refused to believe him. And in doing so, they were calling him a liar. I might note here that anyone who disputes something Jesus has said, who refuses to accept it as truth, is calling him a liar. in calling him a liar, they were lying. They were lying to themselves and they were lying to each other and that proved their fatherhood. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. All lies, all deceit, all dishonesty originates with him. He lied in the garden, he's been lying ever since. And those who choose to believe him and who become like him are his children. Now again, telling a lie doesn't necessarily mark you as a child of the devil. You may simply be a child of God who has momentarily fallen into sin. But if lying has become your nature and you've gotten to the place where you're so caught up in lies that you can no longer identify the truth, you are a child of the devil. Indeed, those who refuse to acknowledge the truth belong to the father of lies. They become what contemporary psychiatrist has labeled people of the lie. M. Scott Peck wrote an excellent book back in the 80s that exposed the existence of truly evil people, those who so buy into lies that they refuse to acknowledge the truth about themselves, who have murder and destruction in their hearts and no regard for others because they are completely self absorbed. But he noted, they hide it. Often, under a cloak of religion and by refusing to acknowledge it, they become people of the lie, people who belong to the devil. Dr. Peck became a Christian while writing the book and concluded, there are only two states of being, submission to God and goodness, or the refusal to submit to anything beyond one's own will, which automatically enslaves one to the forces of evil. We must ultimately belong either to God or the devil. These Jews had demonstrated that they belonged to the devil. They were his spiritual children. They were very religious and they call themselves children of Abraham, children of God. But they were, in fact, children of the devil. I pray none of us are children of the devil. I pray none of us are hiding behind a facade of righteousness, pretending to be something we are not we believe lies that keep us in secret bondage to the father of lies. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. A truly righteous person acknowledges that fact and is made righteous through grace. Because of his acknowledged need for cleansing child of the devil, on the other hand, insists he is fine just the way he is. And he sees no need to respond to Christ's invitation. In fact, he's offended by the suggestion that he needs to come to Christ. A child of God is one who hears Jesus' calling And responds, who believes the truth and is changed by it. Who acknowledges his need for a savior and accepts the offer to be adopted back into the family of God. And then who becomes like his father through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit who is given to him. Are you a child of God? If not, do you want to become one? Jesus is calling. If you can hear him calling you, now is the time to respond. Let's stand.